build your network before you need it. DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain. What can thinking like Mark Zuckerberg do for your digital marketing? Is it essential to be visual in your storytelling when using social media? And how do you start building meaningful relationships with influencers? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask today's special guest, Ekaterina Walter. Ekaterina, welcome to DMR. Hello, David. Great to be here. Wonderful to have you here. Well, Ekaterina's led strategic and marketing innovation for Fortune 500 brands such as Intel and Accenture. She's also author of the bestseller, Think Like Zuck, The Five Business Secrets of Facebook's Improbably Brilliant CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, and co-author of The Power of Visual Storytelling. So, Katrina, you've provided social media advice to a, a lot of big brands, but is social media more challenging for big brands compared with single-owner businesses? David, you know, the the reality is, I think, as marketers, whether we're business owners or marketers in a, in a big brand, our key goal should be building relationship capital, right? That That is the basis for any success. Either you talk sales or customer service or brand awareness or even personal relationships. So I think the challenges are different. Um, it's It's not easy to do so it's easy to do social it's not easy to be social you know that sort of mentality of um how do you use social media as a tool to drive my ultimate goal which is build relationships and ignite tribes around my brand so if i'm a small business in in a small community that's what how my business thrives right it thrives on relationships people knowing me people trusting me people uh, understanding the products that i carry and having personal relationship with me in that community the same goes for bigger brands is just on a larger scale either way you have to spend time and you have to pay attention to your customers current and potential to your partners uh to um you know to your network so so the reality is i think they have different challenges small businesses where they're usually short on resources and they need to brutally prioritize and larger brands where they a lot of times have resources, but the scale is different, right? It's a potentially a global brand with multiple geographies, with multiple business units. So so sort of the question becomes for both um, a small business and large business, how, how do you scale, right? How do you not just use social media tools, but to, to really truly adapt that mentality of, of building relationship capital um, that will sort of move your business bottom line. Okay, so that phrase, build relationship capital, you've used that a couple of times. Can that relationship be building be done by a brand, actually just a brand icon, and that brand as being the handle in social media? Or should it be an individual representing the brand? Or rather, is it easier for an, an individual to build relationships? Uh, you know, your relationships are always build um person to person right and, and and interestingly enough i get questions well you know how did you how were you able to um 
build this really truly engaged communities at Intel, it's a B2B brand. Isn't that easier for B2C? You know, products might potentially be sexier, but the, re the reality is um, there is no B2B or B2C. There is only P2P, and that is um, person to person, the, re the, the actual relationship building. And uh, yes, the tactics of B2B and B2C will vary in your marketing mix, but at the end of the day, no matter whether you're a person or a brand, you do in uh, talk and, and connect with people and you do sell to people, right? Person to person. And so you're absolutely right. Um, you know, the big, cold corporate logo is not the one who's going to do the selling. It's people behind that brand. Okay, you mentioned working for a B2B brand such as Intel. Um, is a big social network such as Facebook appropriate for B2B? Or should that type of business be more likely to embrace a social network such as LinkedIn? It's, uh, I think it's both. So interestingly enough, when I just first started, um, I, I was one of the founding members of Social Media Center of Excellence at Intel. And uh, we, uh, we, I've built strategies from, you know, from scratch for, you know, Facebook and, and Pinterest and LinkedIn and all this, uh, all the different networks. And the reality is we started with, with Facebook because that's, you know, the P2P sort of approach, human to human approach was the one we took with both um, consumers and our other customers or uh, communities we connected with, like, for example, developers, right, or, or tackies. And, and it worked well for us. That said, you're absolutely right. You know, we would use different um, content tactics and potentially go heavier on communities like LinkedIn communities and groups if we, for example, market to IT audience or developer audience, we will actually reach out to niche communities, not necessarily on Facebook or Twitter or other social networks, but on particular niche blogs because that's where developers hang out and have the, the hardcore tech conversations, right? So, so the channel varies, but the channel doesn't isn't the one what matters. What matters is how you approach a person, um, how you add value to that person, um, and and how do you make their lives easier with whatever it is your advice, your time, your content. That is is how you sort of build a relationship capital. So I mean, obviously, in terms of social media, it's not about um, overtly selling your products and services. It's about um, interacting and being helpful, offering advice. Um, what does that mean specifically, though, in a network like LinkedIn? Does that mean going in and just answering people's queries and questions and uh, from that if someone likes your answer then they're going to click on your profile and, and see what company you represent absolutely and i don't think it's it's just a one time thing right it's it's continuous value add so so the question that i always get is how did you amass the following that you have and it doesn't really matter whether it's facebook following twitter following or your personal blog following right subscriber base and the reality is the answer always is you start with one person you help one person then you help five then you help 50 and you always nurture that one community so in your example um, LinkedIn groups, uh, what I would do is I would go in and provide my expertise on current conversation. So people might jump in and, and ask a question. Uh, do you have recommendation for a tool, um, you know, free or paid? Do you have, do, are there tactics that worked for you in X, Y, and Z? Do you know the right people? And I, and you would actually come in and add value in any one of those ways, connect 
people to others, uh, provide content, um, discuss latest trends and what you're seeing in your perspective. That's how you sort of become a, a voice of a community um, where you're welcomed. And then after a while, you start uh, being seen as an expert in your particular niche and people start referring other people to you uh, to tap into that expertise. And that's how you build your business, no matter whether it's small or large. Okay. And what happens if you're providing services for a client that um, isn't that comfortable with interacting on social media or challenged with actually seeing the value in spending their time doing that? Um, Is there any way that an agency or or third party can come in and act on their behalf and, and pretend to be that person and interact on their behalf? Or do you think it always has to be the person themselves that actually doing the posting? Um, so it's a good question. I think it could be both. Depends on how you set it up. Um, the reality is, um, especially if the company has multiple employees um, helping build it, you always you, you have an opportunity to to have different voices uh, to be added. Um, when I just first started a Facebook page, and I was I was pretty much everything. I created the strategy. I scaled it. I um, but I was also a community manager for Intel. Uh, you know, I've always signed my name uh, so that people know that their question and their queries being addressed. It's not just Intel logo staring them in the face and they know who exactly they communicate with. As we added community managers, we started using, you know, the carrot and your name signature. Um, be transparent. Just be transparent and say, hey, do, doing this on behalf of my employer or my partner, or my manager, um, but but we're here. We're here to help you to solve your um, frustrations, to answer your questions. Um, th- that that's what matters. Not the fact that you know well, there's five different people managing um, a particular handle or community, right? Uh, people just want to know that that there's a human voice behind it, and, and and a voice that really truly cares about about them and their issues. Right. Okay. I, I guess as long as of the the tone of voice. Um, the phraseology used is is consistent if, if multiple people are doing it. Absolutely. The voice of a brand needs to be consistent. And that's why I'm a big advocate for using senior people to help drive and lead your communities, not just an intern um, that, that you pay almost close to nothing um, and you just figure out because they're young, um, they're a perfect fit. To, to, to run your communities just because they're so familiar with social media. Absolutely not. You need to have senior people who understand your brand, understand your offerings and your products, understand the issues that might arise, actually have an internal network, David, to to reach out to the right people and write SMEs, subject matter experts, to find answers in a little bit more in the real time, right? So so there's so many dependencies and and perspectives that a, a young person or a person who just started with the brand might not necessarily understand. Um, so definitely you're right about that. It's challenging sometimes to demonstrate the ROI of social media. Um, what do you feel is generally the best way to justify the value of social media activities in terms of likelihood of actually impacting the bottom line of a business? The, the likelihood is is um, very strong, um, and and I think the problem that we've seen from the beginning is um, looking at KPIs 
from perspective of oranges to apples, right? So we would, we we're so used to, you know, as brands and companies, we're so used to looking at paid media and measuring it in, in a particular way, you know, views, um, exposure, brand awareness, um, a potential, you know, traffic to retail side, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, and, and we kind of, you know, adopted the similar concept um, with social media and social tools. The reality is it, it's not really, let's go back to that whole idea of relationship capital. That that should be your beacon um, consistently, right? And, and that is what... Um, you know that is the the uh, definition that Roger Thomas, the CEO of Sprinkler, uses all the time. Just because he uh, the, he built his business on relationships and making sure he delighted customers every single time, right? So so you can measure all the views and and communities and fan numbers that you want. At the end of the day, it is about what is the part of the community that truly is moving the needle for you and and um, inspiring and influencing the behaviors you want, which is conversion, purchase intent, and actual purchase, right? Because that's what the bottom line is about. So I, I think instead of just counting um, hypothetical um, things and saying, well, these views um, are equal to this number of uh, paid media budget spend, right? That that doesn't matter. Your you know your Facebook fan va is valued at X. That makes no sense. What you need to measure is how do you really truly um, look at ROI in 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 actions, right? What are the actions that your content, your social communities, your influencers, your advocates, your own employees drive to the company, and and it is absolutely measurable, right? If you if you set up an integrated um, approach to measuring the whole experience journey that your customers have, you can absolutely see the impact on the bottom line. I guess the the tough part is, is that uh, it's not as simple as pay-per-click or some other form of paid advertising in terms of measuring the specific ROI. And, that, and that's something that a lot of businesses, large and small, are, are struggling with. But just because it's challenging and it's difficult to really demonstrate definitively financially the value of social media doesn't mean that it's not worthwhile spending any time on at all. And it's just um, some businesses, I guess, are more willing to embrace it than others. But um, seeing your competitors be more successful or having your having their brands mentioned more online will eventually persuade most businesses to give it a go you know i i actually disagree that um that it's all about soft roi absolutely like, like gary vaynerchuk says what is the roi of your mother right so what is the roi of, of building relationships right what's the roi of your relationship with your family etc right some there is definitely soft roi to that but the reality it is um, hard ROI can absolutely be measured, and and the brands, um, especially you know retail brands, they're doing it right. The brands that that um, figure it out, they are doing it right, and it it it, it has to do with. Um, with actually uh, putting in an infrastructure in place that tracks, like I said, that whole experience journey. So, I mean, let's take a very tactical, very specific example. Um, you have a community of advocates that talk on your behalf. Um, you actually use a platform to track those conversations and you provide those advocates with various um, different codes um, to offer to their communities or, you know, drive to your site and take advantage of 
of whatever it is that you that you're offering you can track who actually impacts which conversation and and how this these advocates or influencers actually impact um, the purchase decisions and you can see how many purchases do you have from this campaign to that campaign to the other campaign right um, and as long as you're not just doing what I call one night stand stuff which is one off here one of there if, if you are um, if, if this is your mentality and you you are applying this all the way across the whole journey for your whole marketing strategy and marketing mix it's absolutely trackable right you can track brand awareness. You can try to track uh, purchase behaviors, um, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, there, there is both soft and hard ROI to um, becoming a social business. And anybody who says that they can't track their bottom line, um, they're crazy because you can. For B two B brands like Intel, who are not selling directly to the customers, but mo- mostly selling through it, can be a little bit more complicated because you have all this retail partners, et cetera, et cetera and you might not necessarily have access to their sales data um, to directly contribute it to one or the other campaign, but even that is trackable. So that's that's just my two cents. No, that's, uh, that, that, that's absolutely right because um, I remember starting to use Facebook for business um, before pages were, were set up, you know, back in maybe about 2007 or so. And the tools available now compared with, um, as, as we talk in 2014, compared with back then in 2007 are just incredible. So it's, it's exciting to think how the additional services are going to evolve and the additional software tools and tracking tools that will be available over the next few years. Absolutely. I, I cannot agree more. Um, I, I think when we started, we got nothing. And now um, you see actually a convergence of and a consolidation of the industry, right? When, oh, I don't know, um, back, you know, three years ago, we had to use um, at until, you know, 15 plus different tools to track different behaviors, different things, and we try to tie it all together, you know, sort of in a manual way. Now um, you have a suite of products um, that that are being built by you know Sprinkler, Oracle, Adobe, um, Salesforce that allow you to hopefully have a more holistic idea um, across various communities, the behaviors across various communities that you see. And, and that is what's exciting to me, is that that future where you reimagine um, the front end um, for the company where no matter where the customer comes from, the experience is seamless and immediate and, and beautiful. That's what um, I, I think those suites of products need to offer brands. Well, one of the questions that I'm going to ask you soon, not quite yet, is um, what's your, your favorite piece of software? So um, I'll get there just in a minute or two. But um, first of all, I'd just like to um, have a little discussion about um, your couple of books that you've, um, you've written. Um, one was obviously called The Power of Visual Storytelling. Um, so visual storytelling, does that mean that it's really important to incorporate visual to incorporate pictures videos into your social media or can it be just text-based um, you know, it can be text-based, but but look back at, at sort of the history and psychology of a human uh, being. Uh, language existed only five about 5,000 years, but people drew their whole lives for centuries and centuries. Um, the reality is our brain processes visuals 60,000 times times faster than text. Um, 94% of information going to our brain is visual, right? That's how we perceive the world. Um, and, and it's, 
you know, with the overwhelming amount of information in the world um, that we are producing and sharing, and all this, um, you know, this this newsfeed mentality and different newsfeeds that are flashing at us, um, and and just stuff, you know, information passing us by, it's really hard for people to filter um, which information is meaningful or most important. Uh, so what happens is, you know, people's attention span shrinks every year. Now scientists say it's between three to eight seconds, which is smaller than or shorter than the attention span of a goldfish, which is <laughs> nine seconds. It's crazy. So because of all this, what I call infobicity, right, this this overwhelming amount of information uh, that our brains are forced to process, and the, the amount of information we are now producing every 48 hours, growing every single day, uh, people need a filter to figure out what what is the you know what is the content they want to uh, consume what what are they uh, you know people or brands that they want to interact with um and and really truly have conversation with so so the way we decided is several ways right one is somebody recommends to look at something or read something and, and you trust that person and and the other big part of it is we notice visuals right away so before we decide to consume the content if, if that content isn't accompanied by, by by a smart interesting visual element we tend to pass it by i mean think about it right on twitter every time that you have a link and there's an image attached you always it always draws your attention and you potentially want to know more especially if it's a statistics or a quote or um or somebody's you know fun cartoon right we we gravitate to grabbing the visual first and then consuming the content later so brands need to figure out how do they continue to be how, how do they continue to be relevant right that's the important thing in the context of of those challenges we're seeing attention span shrinking information overload etc cetera, etc cetera. so that's i think visual storytelling where it, where it fits so well and and it could be um, anything from you know telling the right stories for video or for images for um, you know memes cartoons um, there is there's a lot of different visual elements. Presentations are really gaining um, gaining uh, notoriety right now, and, and you know slideshow is becoming a very effective tool to share information and also do lead generation. So so that sort of in that context context visual storytelling is critical. Okay, so you can and in summary you can make it um, just by interacting with text however that's probably like trying to run a race with two of your legs tied together and you hopping along and someone else sprinting past you yes absolutely <laughs> absolutely it's definitely going to uh, to increase your chances um for a conversation for social sharing and if people eventually um hopefully checking out your brand and becoming advocates. Okay. Now, um, another book you've written is Think Like Zuck. Um, so um, what can thinking like Mark Zuckerberg do for your digital marketing? Uh, <laughs> good question. Um, there's, I think there's a lot of interesting lessons um, that you can learn from from a young guy who built a, an empire and and truly created a platform in the market. Uh, you know, hate him or love him. Um, there, there are some things that is done um, that, that were quite fascinating and, and something to learn from. Uh, you know, drawing on um, drawing on several things, I think there's a couple of lessons. One is, first of all, is 
show your passion, right? Do what you're passionate um, about. Create the content that you're passionate about. Be passionate about your customers, right? When you build something, even if it's just a marketing campaign that you truly believe in, right? Zuckerberg always believed in um, in a sort of open um information sharing and open economy and and really connecting people to each other and and that's sort of what guided him throughout his whole experience that's important right people i think say oh passion for it's a it's it's just something to write fluffy posts about but the reality is um if if you're not passionate about what you do in in your everyday life and then also in how you build marketing strategies yours are going to be just a copycat of somebody else's right um the other thing too is is learn continuously i think one of the things that um, that marketers miss that they get so boggled down in everyday uh, jobs and and in in executing um, tactical things that we don't we don't sometimes stop and um, and spend time on truly understanding what's to come what what is the next year to two to three years are going to look like and really adapt and adjust strategies and try something new right there's something to be said for being the first to the uh, in the market, and so um, how do you create more uh, strategies that are firsts versus oh some other brand is is experimenting with I don't know Pinterest contests why don't I do that um, right how do you how do you come to market um, and, and try out new things whether you succeed or fail and really show leadership I think that in itself really truly um, shows um, the, the strength and and the um, sort of the boldness of a brand and I think that's something that that definitely drives consumers to engage with your brand as well I mean there's there's a ton of um, other lessons that I can draw upon but I know we don't have that much time I just I just think um, one of the things that that Zag did is he stuck to his guns, right? And I think as marketers, we need to do that because we have, you know, executives come to us and, and other people and we, you know, we're all over the place in, in prioritizing and reprioritizing, then we're shifting. We created a campaign for, um, or we created a program for a month. It didn't show immediate ROI. We, we scrapped it. We spent more time to, to create something else for one month. We scrap it again. I think there's something to be said for true longevity, picking the course and sticking to it, um, and really, truly, um, you know, connecting with your customers through long-term programs um, versus just a short-term outburst of, let me stick messaging over here or over there, right? So I think as marketers, that sort of longevity, especially in Fortune 500 brands, is is something that's lacking. Okay, um, so let's move on to your opinion on uh, digital marketing in general. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. What software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact the success of your business? Uh, there, uh, uh, here, let me, um, you know, we talked about integrated, um, software and I think that's where it's all moving. Um, looking at sort of the, the software that I use at Intel and then I used in a, in a stop startup environment for the past year, year and a half. Um, I want to say, um, integrated software that does multiple things well. So sprinkler is one example, because what you want to do is you want to make sure multiple aspects of, um, your business are um, 
covered and they're interconnected. So for example, uh, listening, right? What are the conversations happening? Um, how, you know, what people are saying? Are you picking up early signs of, um, of, of a crisis potentially that comes up, et cetera, et cetera. Very useful. Then you have a content creation uh, sort of part of software or different modules that allows you to uh, play with content and optimize it in real time. Then you have distribution, right? Because once you figure out what the community talks about, you create your content and then you move forward to, to, to distribute it through all your social networks. And then in the back end, there is reporting. You want to know how, you, how well your content did. So, so with software like this that allows you to do um, variations of that whole sort of journey um, and, and measuring it in real time is, is definitely something that I think companies will not be able and already not able to live without. Okay, great. So that's sprinkler with an R just at the end, isn't it? S- S- Correct. Okay. Yes. Um, so moving on to... I wish I would have. I'd like to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Oh, that's a good question. We sure made a lot of mistakes. Look, I'm, uh, I will be the first one to admit, you know, I think I would have um, fought more for breaking silos within the organization. We did some of that. We definitely educated and brought together different stakeholders. But I think one of the things that ails a lot of organizations right now is the silos. Um, different um, departments using different um, strategies or different voice, different departments using different infrastructure, you know, using different ways of um, measuring ROI, uh, connecting, um, you know, with 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 people and partners and where you know in, in various parts of the industry where they could have consolidated the efforts to be more effective as one brand one voice one one strategy um, that that is I think something that each organization still struggles with and and I wish we would have done a better job and actually I that goes for every single role I've held in in multiple companies so maybe fought harder to get other people um, around the same table, I guess, um, as, as, as you're on. Correct. Absolutely. Best advice I've ever received. What's the best piece of digital marketing advice that you've ever received? I think the best advice I ever received that actually applies to my career in digital marketing, so let me twist it a little bit. I know it's not a direct answer, is... Um, build your network before you need it. Um, and, and the reality is... Um, and and that's the advice I've gotten. I, I first read the book by Keith Firazi. Uh, it's it's titled "Never Eat Alone." A fantastic book, written a while back. Um, he's written a second one since then. But but the reality is, I think, David, that in your career, in, in, in anything you do, and in digital marketing, it's all now about sharing sharing the knowledge, understanding what people do in the industry, understanding what the company does internally. And you cannot tap into that invaluable network, into that invaluable advice, into that information without having um, built that network. So internally within the company, I think the reason why my career was successful, and not just my career, but the fact that we convinced a company of 100,000 people at Intel to adopt a social business mentality. I mean, that's tough. There was just three of us, right? Three of us and no budget, um, you know, six years ago. The fact why, 
the, 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 the reason is why we were so effective. It was um, because we had a strong network internally. We know who to talk to, um, how to position it, how to really, truly, um, I think, um, sell the vision and engage people in multiple different um, sort of parts of the company. And the same goes externally. I think one of the reasons uh, why we were so successful at trying new things and, and and playing with new digital marketing, you know, tools, the tactics, approaches, uh, uh, different networks is because um, I made sure that we went out and talked to all these companies and brands who did it right or did it wrong and learned from that in real time. So network internal or external um, allows you to keep your pulse on all the changes, allows you to stay not, not um one step behind, but one step ahead um, of what's happening, and allows you to be successful as as the company, as and as a digital marketer. To be honest, especially with digital marketing changing so fast, build your network before you need it. Love it. Correct. <laughs> the this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Try not to think about the answers too much. I'm just looking for your gut reaction. Ready to go? Yep. Email or Twitter. Twitter. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Affiliates. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Telephone number. Website or app? Website. Social follower or email subscriber? Email subscriber. Local marketing or global marketing? Global marketing. (laughs) (laughs) You're on the fence there. (laughs) It's both. You're you're staying up there, okay. (laughs) Okay, moving on to... The $10,000 question. Now, if I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single digital marketing activity, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? I would actually go see some of potential and current customers face-to-face. And my success would be, first of all, the reality that I'm building a relationship, and second of all, an amazing and valuable feedback loop on how to perfect my product so that I can serve current customers better so that they can tell others and bring me um, new customers for, for, for whom, by the way, I will not have to pay a dime. So it's all about that network again, being able Correct. to go back to that network. Taking us up to... My number one takeaway. So, Katrina, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? Take risks. Take risks um, right now and throughout throughout your career. Um, try out new things. You will never know what works and what doesn't if you don't. And that's, I think, one of the things that we've been really successful. I've been successful in pretty much every role that I had as I was lucky enough to have management that allowed us um, to go out and um, experiment. Experimenting is a critical part of doing um, things right. And, um, you know, I, I think one of the things that um, in your role you you need to push for. So better ask uh, for forgiveness later than ask <laughs> for permission up front. And don't just follow the herd. 
Absolutely. Don't follow the herd. <laughs> well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time, your focus and your willingness to give back. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Google.com. <laughs> <laughs> you, you on Google.com. Wow. <laughs> you, you can find me on, on Google. I'm on Twitter. Uh, my first name, uh, my, my handle is my first name. I am I have a website at KatrinaWalter.com. Uh, you can connect with me there. I'm on Facebook. You, I'm pretty much approachable on, on multiple networks. So just pick, pick, your, pick your, uh, your community. Wonderful. Well, thanks again. Wonderful. Thank you, David, for having me. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today on Digital Marketing Radio. Remember, you can get every interview before it's published as a podcast, delivered as a weekly digital magazine, automatically to your tablet or smartphone. And that's for Apple or Android. Just go to digitalmarketingradio.com for links to where you can subscribe and join the rest of the Digital Marketing Radio posse. Catch you again soon. Digital Marketing Radio. Digital-